You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. And this morning I shared on just on revival and and in the wake of everything that's going on in our nation, and by the way, Asbury is not the only place revival's happening. It's just the predominant one. And there are things going on all over the country and really all over the world. And I think I just was, the last several days, the Lord just really arrested my, my thinking in my heart. And I, I came to the realization that it would be silly not to talk about it today. And so that's what we decided to do. And so uh, this morning I shared some things on just some wisdom surrounding revival and understanding about it. Not that I've got all the answers, but um, I consider myself a revivalist. You know why? Because I've been revived. And so when I was 18 years old, I had a touch from God that ruined me from being like everybody else. And I don't mean that in a bad way towards anybody else, but the friends that I had, um, they had not had that encounter and they all thought I was basically, you know, needed to be in a mental institution. I mean, they thought I was nuts. I mean, literally many of them thought I had flipped my lid. Uh, But what happened is that God got a hold of my heart. And since that day, I have had an expectation of revival and it has never waned. Now, I have waned, using that word. Um, I've had times when I was not as on fire for Jesus, and I got discouraged and different things like that. But what the seed that was in my heart has never lessened, not one iota. I don't even know what that is, but hasn't lessened at all, all of these years, because God did something to me that forever changed my expectation. And I've just had a faith for, if you want to say revival, awakening, outpouring, all of these kind of things. I've had that in there from the Lord. He put that in me many years ago, and it's still as strong this day. Yesterday it was when I was in prayer, the Lord spoke to me, and he said that there is a faith in the, not just the church, but in our country right now, there is a spirit of faith for expectation for God to do something. And for the unbelievers, it may not be God, but they're just expecting something to change. People are crying out for God on a level that they haven't in this country in a really, really long time. And remember back, and I think it's interesting because the Asbury revival, there was a revival that happened back in the 70s at that same college that was similar to what's happening right now. And that was, of course, back like, you know, at the very end of the, the, you know, the Vietnam War and all these hippies were coming home and like walking around without shoes and long hair and then finding themselves in churches, getting uh, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost and set on fire for the Lord, and I believe the same kind of thing is happening, but we're going to see an amplification of both the Word of God and the Spirit of God in this hour, and it's not just going to be over the next month or two months or year. I believe we're in a, I don't know, I want to say a five to ten year awakening in our country. I'm not saying that as thus saith the Lord, but I just feel that. You know how sometimes you just kind of feel, and you just find out whether that thing be true or not? That's when I feel. We are being marked by God for the time that we're living in. And there is a faith in the church that's rising, and there's a faith in the land to believe that things are going to be different. Even in the darkest times, even in the most uh, political uh, unrest and all of the nonsense that's been going on for a while, especially the last, you know, two and a half years, there is something stirring in the heart of believers, but even in human beings. 
Non-believers in our country saying something different has to happen. And some of them, many of them are seeking and praise God, Jesus is the answer. The power of God is the answer. And so there is a revival spirit on our nation. And I believe this, and Liz is my witness. I've been talking about revival. I talk about revival even from people that fed into my life dearly that don't even really believe in revival like I do. And I still talk about it. I still believe in it. I met with, um, this past week, I meet with these couple pastors over in Perryville, and I meet with them, try to meet with them once a month. And I met with them this last week, and I was like, I can't wait to ask them about what they think about what's going on in you know the, the college. And one of them's a Presbyterian minister. The other one's a Methodist minister, both good just good guys. And, and I said, what do you think about this? And they said to me, I was a little surprised because I thought they might, they're not really negative guys, but I thought they might have something a little negative to say about it. But they said, man, we want to see that in our churches. We want to see that in Perryville. And I'm like, yes. And I want to see it in Perryville. And I want to see it in Bonterre. And I want to see it in your home. And I want to see it in my home. And so tonight we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about just basically personal revival. And, you know, when it comes to what the Lord is doing in, in the earth and what he's doing in regions and what he's doing amongst people, here's something. I want to throw this out, and then I'm going to move on really quickly. But there are certain things that are up to you, and there are certain things that are up to God. And you can find this. Let's pull this verse up. Do we have the, all the scriptures from this morning? Did We didn't communicate. I guess we got them. All right. Um, Acts chapter 1, 6 through 8. It says, therefore, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? There we go. And it says, and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority. Notice he said, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses to me and Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so, this verse, I've used this a lot of times just to, just to try to uh, bring a, maybe a clarity to me on the fact that there are certain things that God is responsible for. And some people would say like the, it, there's a sovereign act of the Lord and I'm, I'm okay with that. that. The term sovereign can take on a really strange connotation if we're not careful, but you could call things, certain things a sovereign act of the Lord, if you will. But even in that, God always cooperates with people, doesn't he? And so even in this Asbury revival, you had students that stayed over after chapel from my understanding and they're like, well, we just wanna seek the Lord more. And the next thing you know, thousands of people are showing up and are praising and worshiping God and just pouring their hearts out very organic. It was a total move of God because there's people all over the place that are doing that same thing, but not having that same encounter, not having that same experience. God's not doing that particular thing there. And so what the Lord is doing, I believe when he does something like this, is he's, he's um, spurring us on to, to jealousy. If I can say that, all right, not, a, not, a, um, not an evil kind of jealousy, but just he's spurring us on to say, you need to hunger for me like that I want all of my church to hunger like that for me. And so, but that, what the Lord did was like, it was like he decided to do that. They decided to seek the Lord, so they did have a part to play in it. Uh, but he decided to do that. That was, that was God's choice to do that. And I believe that that was set, it was like a, a, what's the word, Kairos moment. Like for them, it was a Kairos moment that the Lord, like there was all these things that people are doing here, but he said, on this date here, I'm going to release an outpouring in Asbury that's gonna be unique. It's going to happen. I am going to do this thing. 
And so God has got Kairos moments where he does those things. And yes, people cooperate. Like people are showing up. They're doing worship. They are cooperating. But still yet, God chose to do it. So according to this verse here in Acts, there's certain things that God's placed within his authority, within his timing, and within his seasons. And I think that we can get an unction. We can get idea. But it's not really, we can't determine those things. But he did say that there are things you can determine. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so we have the Spirit of God with us all of the time. All the time he's with us. If we've been born again, the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us, and we are Holy Ghost carriers, amen? We carry the glory of God. We don't have to seek for glory. We have glory on the inside of us. And so we have at our disposal, listen to me now, and this is what we're gonna go into tonight. We have at our disposal the ability to bring personal revival to us. I can't make something happen like an Asbury. I can't make that happen here. And sometimes over the years in pastoring, people, things will look like that. People are like, pastor, we need that here. I'm like, well, talk to God because I pray, I worship, I preach, I love on people. I do everything that I'm, that I'm supposed to do, everything that I know to do. And I'm sure there's lots that I don't know. And I'm sure there's things that I'm supposed to be doing that I'm not because I don't do everything perfectly. But as far as I can tell, I'm doing everything I need to do that has to be God's choice to do those things. But what I found is my choice is that I can occupy. It says in Luke chapter 19, the King James Version, whenever he gave the talents to the different, to the different in, the, in the parable, the master went away and he gave different talents to different uh, of the, the stewards or whatever, right? And so when, when he did, he said to occupy, and the word occupy basically means to take what you've been given and to do something with what you've been given. I can't determine what God's going to do, but I can determine what I'm going to do with what God has given me. And so what God has given me is a fire, is a hunger. He's given me a touch. He's given us a gathering of churches that come together in his name, and we can do some stuff. We can wash people's cars and preach Jesus to them. We can help people out with their needs. We can come in and worship and give Jesus everything that we've got in worship. We, we know to do those things, and so in doing that, we are multipliers. And God's called us to do that. But here's the thing that you have complete 100% control over is whether you are going to be in revival or not. And I'm convinced that three, there's three things that every person must experience in this life. Number one is they must be born again. And the Bible even says, you must be born again, right? And I believe that people must be, they need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, I, I, and I, it's kind of like, like when you're, when you're, um, when you're born into this world, you know, you have a born on date, right? You have a date that you came into this world. But when you get born again, you have a born again date. Now, Liz didn't know her born again date and doesn't exactly know when it is. And um, the Lord used somebody like in the last, what, probably four or five years ago to help recall because she was so young and basically told her, hey, this was the time when you got born again. And she'd been asking that and the Lord showed her when that time was when she got born again because she didn't really remember it. So, but there is a time when you got born again. There was a, there was a time a specific time. Now, if you don't know the date, it's okay. I don't know the date of mine. I know my age. I was seven, right? So there was a time, when the, and there's a time when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is his infilling. There should be a time, a particular moment when that happened. And here's the other thing that should happen. And it could be a moment or it could be a season, is when God does something in you, to you, with you, that causes revival to take place. And what that looks like is to where the, the areas that have been dead come to life. 
Because revival, what revival means is that which was dead now comes to life. Because there's a lot of people that get born again, they're on their way to heaven. And they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They have the power of the Spirit on the inside of them. They carry God, right? But then oftentimes a lot of people will stop right there and they don't go on and have encounters with the Lord that bring revival to them. And let me just just very quickly, and I'm going to turn things over to her because she, I know she's about ready to, to release here. So, and then we'll go back and forth and share some things. But what happened with me, and, and I believe that encounter, this is what it should look like. So it's three counters, born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then the last one is to where your friends and family look at you like you're a nut job. Now, I'm not saying it has to be that way because if you're in a, if you're in a right uh, culture, they'll encourage you in it. And I was pretty much in a right culture. I definitely was in my home. But when it came to my friends, they looked at me and they're like, dude, I don't, know what you're, I don't know what you're into. I don't know what you're listening to, but you need to be really careful about the teaching you're listening to. And I'm like, I've been spending time with Jesus. Are you telling me I need to be careful of what Jesus is telling me? But it like flipped their lid because they had never encountered the Lord like that. And every person should have this thing with the Lord where he comes in and stirs everything about them. And you know how you have that? It's a place of death. You come to a place of death on the, on the as far as like laying your life down. How do you pray for personal revival? Let me tell you this, and then I want you to go for it. How do you pray for revival anywhere? How do you pray for personal revival? You can write this down. This will really, really help you. It's this, Okay. I'm looking for the verse. I didn't put a verse down here. That's why. Here we go. How do you pray for revival? I did, but I didn't put the address. Here it is. Lord, and I just want to say this right, not my will, but yours be done. And you say, well, what does that have to do with revival? Because remember, Jesus was in that place, and he was saying, he was in Gethsemane, and he said, if it's possible, Father, let this cup pass before me, but not my will, your will be done. What happened next? He went to the cross. What happened after that? Resurrection. It's impossible to have resurrection, revival, without death first. If there's nothing dead, there's nothing to revive. And what, what the Lord is looking for us to do, it's interesting, we have these different dynamics. It's like we're supposed to be alive in Christ, right? But even before we find life, we first have to come to a place of death. Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you first have to lose it. You know where I found revival, personal revival with the Lord, is when I came to the end of Kent and I said, God, there has to be more to this life than this. There has to be more than what I'm experiencing. That's when the Lord said, thank you for taking your hands off the wheel. I was like, Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah. That's when he's like... Thank you, Kent. Let me, take, let me take charge here. And when I laid stuff down and I, and I died to me or began the process of dying, dying to the Lord is a one-time decision but a continual act. You just always have to keep laying flesh over on the altar, right? But when I did that, when I started that process, it flipped something in me that has caused me not to live perfectly, not to always just be, I mean, I'm not always zealously like this all the time, but I, it's always going on on the inside of me. It's always there. There's at least a flicker all of the time. And I know why people walk away from the Lord. Because they never had that flicker, that flame, that fire that got set, that got set ablaze on the inside of them. And, you know, I've told Liz this many times, that when it comes to, 
you know, like ministry and stuff, like we went through some really, really hard stuff in ministry. You guys were there. And there was times when I thought, I'd just like to quit. I just don't want to do anything else. And you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of preachers, ministers, people, people just in church, not even ministers. They don't just quit church, they quit God. I have never considered quitting God. I've considered quitting church. I've considered giving up people, but I've ne- and I wouldn't do that now. Amen. I don't even contemplate that. But I have cons- I've I've never considered quitting God. How could you quit on somebody that brought so much life to you? You would either have to be insane, or you would have ha- never had to have had that moment to where you're like, "Whoa, God is awesome. He's real. Look what He showed me." You got to have that moment where your friends and your family go, "Dude, what are you smoking?" Not really, they may not be the words, whatever, but they're like, what's going on with you? Like, you need, you need to have that, and you can't, you can't conjure that up. It just has to be you and Jesus and God making life be breathed into you because you've said, I can't do anything with what I have. Now I'm laying it all over on you. God, revive me. Regardless of whether the preacher or there's an out is having revival or he's preaching right or, you know, what the pastor of the church is doing or what the other people are doing or the ladies Bible study or, you know, what the usher group is doing or, or if you're part of an outpouring, it doesn't matter. You can be revived because you've said, God, here's my life. Do something with it. And he's always faithful to do it. Yeah. So a question for you. All right. All right. Uh, when, when, when was it exactly that the Lord like really stirred revival in your heart or he said that you would be a part of revival? Yeah. The best I can remember, it was when, after I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I began to have, I was in a season of tremendous revelation coming to me just, and I, it wasn't even later. It came from the word, the revelation. I was able to back it up with the word, but it was me, it was me encountering the Lord and him downloading stuff to me. And I realized, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say it, but I had an intuitive knowledge that I was going to be part of something that God was doing in the earth that was way bigger than me. And I've just believed that. And I've even told people you know, over the years, like, God's going to do amazing things. He's going to do revival. And then some of the camp and stuff that I run with, they're like, God's already revived us. You know, he's already poured out a spirit. And I'm like, hey, I understand that. I get that we have the Holy Ghost, but we can continue to experience and encounter the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He is a living, breathing, alive God who does, he doesn't just come and just like give us the Holy Ghost and say, well, now you have him. He's living on the inside of you, but you never experience that life. No, we're supposed to continue to experience the Lord. We're supposed to continue to have him relationally speak into us. And so it's, I would say, as far as the time frame, I was like 18-ish. So basically for like, I'm not 41 yet, uh, basically 22 and a half years. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's very fun because, well, I'm trying to get this out. But, you know, I was just thinking, God, when, when did you, I asked the Lord a lot of questions because it says, call to me and I will answer you and I will show, he, this is Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't know. And the only way to know things that you don't know is to ask the one who knows all things. And so just even standing right here, I had an encounter with the Lord when I was 18. We were, you know, high school sweethearts and together forever. And I was not sweet, but yes. yeah, it was one of the moments we were off again. But I had a dream 
And this was the first time, and I knew nothing about dreams. I knew nothing about visions. I really didn't know anything about pressing into God. I didn't know that you could hunger and that you can desire. I was in this place where I just thought you had to work in order to please God, and I could never, like at that point, I was only 19, but I could never add up. Like I could never get it right. I would start reading my Bible and journaling and then I would stop. And then I was like, oh my gosh, God, you hate me. I'm never gonna, like, I'm not, I'm not gonna get there. Like, I can't get there because I can never add up. So anyways, the Lord gave me a dream. It was one point. Fix her mic, it's ringing. Oh, that I was, that we were, we were off. And, uh, but I, I knew that God said we were going to be married or whatever. So, I had this encounter with the Lord where I had a dream, and the only thing I could remember, I didn't know. If you have dreams, you should write them down because you do not know when the Lord will bring them back up to you and what he will continue for years. This is over 20 years ago I had this dream. And the only thing I can remember, but I remember it was so impactful because I was telling in the living room, I was telling my mom about it and it was so real. And then we weren't together, but we were still conversating. And I remember we were sitting on the front porch and I was telling you this dream and I'm pretty sure you thought I was like crazy. Anyways, um, the only thing I could remember was uh, us standing together, and in front, of, in front of us was a field and a lion. And so I really thought that was like us doing ministry together, like uh, Africa and whatever. And as the years have gone on, I so we we got together and at and a certain point um i wasn't really hungering or desiring after the lord i was hungering and desiring after his relationship for the Lord. And he knew that it would not. And you were desiring me, but of yes. Course. I don't know at that point. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't seeking after God. I wasn't sold out. And I, I knew I needed to be, but I didn't really care to be. And I thought him, he was the one who was called and he's the one who was supposed to minister and that I could just stand right behind him like this and just ride off of his relationship with the Lord. It didn't re- like he was, the Lord wasn't requiring anything of me. And I remember he said to me, he said, I will, I know that if, if I'm going hard after God, and you're not, that it will, and and going after ministry, then it will ruin us. So I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to lay down the calling because it will ruin us, and I value you. And I was like, I don't want to be the thing that causes him not to do what it is that he's supposed to do because I knew he was going to do it. Like, And so I just really messy-faced and not happy got before my face and I said, God, I do not desire more of you, but apparently I need to. So you're going to have to help me out. (laughs) And then I went to bed and I had the same dream. And I can remember, I wish I would have wrote it down. How many years later was it? 10 years apart. 10 years apart. Then uh, just a, a few years ago, the Lord, I was doing, I was doing like the first time I was doing a Bible study, 
Uh, it was called Linus Arise by Lisa Brevere. I was going to lead it. This is the first time I was going to do anything, you know, by myself, with the Lord, whatever. And I open up the book, and she begins to talk about a dream that she had with the lion and how she encountered God. And the Lord just began to show me that, that we were called to stand next to each other that we were both called to minister and that the lion wasn't Africa. The field wasn't Africa. The lion was the lion of Judah and he was standing before me and that the field was wheat and it was the harvest that we were going to get to see. And just standing here as you are ministering, like it, it never had occurred to me, but God said, this is when I actually planted revival in your heart was when you were 19. Because I was like, I didn't have an experience. God, you didn't tell me we were going to be part of the great revival. You told, you know, my son and him, but, and obviously I'll be a part, but like, I, 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 I want to be a part of that too. And like, the, I was standing here and it's really hard because God is just like, it's very fresh right now. He's just saying, I birthed that in you also when wow. you were 18 years old, when I gave you that dream and I have not taken it away and I'm going to continue to birth things in you. So guess what? We're going to, we're part of the revival. Yes. We're going to see, Hallelujah. oh my gosh, amazing yeah. thing. We're all right. Listen, Listen, we are already seeing amazing things. I, I was thinking like, I, I want to be a part of like, like just encountering the presence of God. And I was thinking we could, we could go to Asbury. It's not very far. And then like the Lord was like, you're in revival. You've been in revival. You are seeing the hearts and the lives of people transformed right before your eyes. There are people who have come into the teaching and to the word and to the atmosphere, and they're leaving not the same way. We just started doing all these encounter stories. If you, I just posted the first one on Facebook. If you haven't watched it, watch it. And I'm going to continue. We're going to continue to do that. But people's lives are being changed. People are encountering God. You all are encountering God. We are in revival. So I don't have to go anywhere to know God is real, to have my heart revived because I'm living in a place and a state where my heart is continually revived. And so we were, you know, I was just with all this revival, I just was like, Lord, personal revival it is something like people go to experience revival most of the time because they need an encounter from God and they need to be impacted and they need to know that God is real and they need to like have a fresh touch and that's okay but I have learned that I can have a fresh touch every day and every moment, any time that I ask God to come in. There have been times I'm wrecked on my floor. There have been times I've been getting ready for church and I cannot stand up and I'm like, God, I gotta, I gotta go. So you gotta help me get it together. I've been worshiping in the midst of you and been encountered God and it's hard to leave that place. I have, like, I love running and not that long ago I was listening to just to a podcast and like I'm running 
And I was in like Perryville, there's a seminary. So I was like in the seminary and I'm running. Okay. So I, I, I was, God's presence was so strong on me. Like I had to lay down and I was like, please let me just make it to a place where I'm like not laid out in the middle of the sidewalk. Cause that's where I was. And I, I just had to stop and I had to like get on my face and I just let God encounter me. And I'm in the, like, I don't care. When God has revived your heart, when you're so in love with him and you know he's so real and you're saying, anytime, God, anytime, he will wreck you in a good way and do whatever it is, the heart cry, the the reviving thing, the the realness, the, the word, whatever you need, God will give it to you in a moment, anytime. Anytime. <laughs> and so I was just asking God, what, what, what is some fruit of personal revival? And how, how did I get to this place? Because right now, because God is so real and so alive on the inside of me, his word, just like Jeremiah said, has become fire inside of my bones. And I can't not say it. I can't not declare it. I can't not talk about it. I mean, you can ask my kids, we'll be doing Bible in the morning or whatever, whenever we're doing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, God, it's just so good. And he was showing me this and laugh. And they're like, okay, mom. Okay. <laughs> Will you please just go on? And I just, I am in so in love with God that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I will do anything. And it, I think a lot of times it came surrender. I, I decided my way is not working. So it has to be you, God. And then just like some radical obedience, actually, like he, he just said, I, I need you to get away with me. I need you to get up early, which is sacrifice. I had to lay down my flesh. I had to do something that I didn't really want to do when I wanted to do it. I was in a season of raising kids and I'm just like, I'm tired. I just, and I really like to sleep a lot. So <laughs> I didn't want to get up early. And he said, will you do it? And finally, after like a whole bunch of like time, time, I got up and like from those moments, like I, I never, like I wouldn't trade it for anything. And now like I, I love it. And um, two, also like I've, I've met God and encountered God when, when things, when, when I was experiencing a lot of pain, when I was in turmoil, when I was really suffering, nobody knew I was suffering. God knew I was suffering. When I was just in turmoil in my mind, that I just leaned into God and I said, I have to have you right now. I didn't run from him. I didn't flee from his presence. I just said, I need you now. And he came and he brought so much peace to my heart. And it made me be able to stand back up and keep moving, keep moving forward. And so I know he's real. I have, so here's a couple of like just attributes. When you know you're in personal revival, joy unspeakable, hunger that doesn't end because you can't eat of something. You can't even know it's good unless you taste it. Like you wouldn't know pizza is really good if you didn't eat pizza. 
But once you taste pizza, then you begin to crave pizza. Because I'm talking about pizza, you're all probably like, yeah, let's have some pizza. Um, so when you, when you taste and see and you eat of the Lord, it, it fills you and satisfies you but leaves you so hungry. And so you eat and you eat and you eat and you eat and you're completely satisfied but not. I can't really explain it other than to say that. Where you're surrendered, where you're saying, God, whatever you want. It is not whatever flesh in me. When you can say this, this is hard. This is hard because our flesh is very much alive and a part of us. And it wants what it wants. It has no end to its appetite, to what it wants. And for you to say, guess what? You're not in charge is really hard sometimes. Trust me, when you fast, you get to know how much your flesh is in control because when hunger rises and your blood sugars drop and you're like, I need to eat, you're like, no, no, I do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, hallelujah, we're going to do this. And you tell your flesh, you don't get to be in charge because it is God. It is the spirit on the inside of me. So that's surrender. It's laying down your flesh. Radical obedience where he asks you to do some really hard things that you don't want to do, but you do them anyway. And you like the fruit from your obedience is incredible. And it is far outlasting than you. It goes into all of eternity. When you can say it's not about me anymore, you're completely content, no matter the outside circumstances, when you're hard-pressed, is when, like, Paul was like, I'm fine. I can be in prison, or I can be, you know, abasing or abounding. It doesn't matter, because I know God is with me, and he is for me, and he will sustain me, because he is the sustainer. When you become unmovable, it doesn't matter what is happening, what is saying. This is why, like, how Christians before when they were persecuted and they say, if you, like Daniel, you're, you're going to be thrown into the lion's den if you praise God. And guess what? He praised God anyways, and God sustained him. It didn't matter. He was unmovable. It didn't matter what the world was saying and the and other people who were thrown into a, an arena or burned at the stake. It didn't matter. They had joy even in the burning because God was so real. He was so real that you are not limited to the natural. So what seems impossible actually is very possible. And you're like, it's not a problem. God can do it. If he's saying we're going to do this, then we're going to do this. We become clear-eyed and clear-minded. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah, amen. And so uh, we're just throwing, we're just throwing, like the Lord just changed this up right in worship for, at least changed it up for us. Uh, and um, so we're just throwing some things out here to you. But uh, one of the things that I think fits into this really strong is just the idea of being able to like enlarge your personal capacity to receive what God has for you. And when you when you see somebody, and oftentimes what happens is that when we don't understand something, we become critical instead of asking questions. And I used to look at people that were doing things and saying things spiritually that I didn't understand. And instead of saying, God, what's going on there? Or I want that relationship with you that, that they have, I would just become critical and be like, oh, well, you know, they're just... And, and when I did that, I shut off 
the flow from that person potentially, but definitely what the Lord was putting before my eyes to help me see where they were at and where he was wanting to take me. And so oftentimes that's what happens. We become critical of things that we really don't understand. But the, the, here's, what I, here's what I do know is that there is so much that's true about the Lord and about things in the spirit and about the word of God that I don't even have, it's not even on my radar yet because um, I've not come to that place of knowing that I need to perceive it. Hopefully I said that to where it makes sense. God is so vast. He's so infinite. His knowledge, his wisdom, his understanding, his love, everything about God is so incredibly great. That alone should cause us to say, I want to know and have more of you. But people have a tendency. Human beings are really funny. And if we can't control something, we often don't want to be a part of it. And it's a part of the, the, the nature that we used to have before Christ. It's like this controlling nature got to be in control of everything. It's really true. And so even after being born again, we still deal with flesh stuff that says that I have to be in control of everything. And if I can't understand it, I can't be in control of it. Here's the deal is that there are times when it comes to the Lord being with him and being in his presence that you're not going to understand everything. But God didn't ask us to be know-it-alls. He asked us to be, become believe-it-alls. I don't know everything in the Bible. I feel like sometimes when I read it, there's less that I know than what I do know. There are certain things that I definitely know because I can read and I know what it says, but there's such a vastness to the Lord. And there should be something in us that says, God, I want to tap in to all of the things that are a mystery to me. I want to begin to know those things that you have, that you have hidden for me to reveal to me, for me to understand. And what's required of us to do that is that we have to get rid of the old wineskin and we have to take on the new wineskin. And this is a big part of what revival looks like because revival, it's not about, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. And so when I say new, I'm not saying it's new to God, but it's new to you. It's new to me. And the Lord has freshness that he wants to, to breathe into us. But until we're willing to lay down the old capacity where we've been limited, at one point, maybe we had to stretch to that point. You know what it's like when you first give your heart to the Lord? People fight. We have family members that are fighting against it's the most, um, it's almost incomprehensible for, for those of us that are walking with the Lord. We have family members that are fighting against relationship with Jesus. And we're over here just having a party going, why are you fighting against it? And for years, I was like in that place, but then I was watching people operate in, in things with the Lord and seeing things and having dreams and visions and seeing miracles. And I was looking at them going, oh, and I became critical because I didn't understand it. So instead of saying, God, show me, expand my capacity, I just remained in criticism. And as long as we remain critical of what we don't understand, we can never understand it. We can never come to a place to where we have revelation concerning that thing. And so the Lord, in order to have freshness, you have to be able to, to you know, we've already received the fullness of God, but at the same time, we don't always experience the fullness of God. So if we want to experience the fullness of God, we have to open ourselves up for more of what God has for us. And that's where the church has been capped for a long time. Individuals have been capped for a long time. See, you don't have to be capped just because your pastor's capped. But it certainly helps to have a minister that's saying, let's go all the way for God, all the way in. Let's be radical, on fire, set apart, all the way in. People 
totally, totally all in for God. Like that really helps to have ministers, pastors and things like that. But it doesn't matter who else is doing whatever. You can make the decision that you're not going to be capped. But the church as a whole has been very, very capped because what it does is it experiences something and then it develops form so that it can control what's going on. You want to know where basically every denomination has come from? It came from a move of God, and they stopped because they said, oh, we've got this thing, and we're not letting go of this thing right here. And they literally, go, go and study church history. They literally build denominations around things that God did, and they end up worshiping the move of God that was in the past instead of worshiping the God that gave them the move. You know that in the Catholic church, there are essentially, and, and some of you might say, no, there's more, and your numbers are off, but I'm pretty close. There's basically two different um, sects to the, to the Catholic church. Catholics and Roman Catholics. You know how many there are to the Protestant church? Innumerable. You know why? Because people experience parts of God and they push out everything else that potentially could be God, but they haven't, they don't understand it because they haven't experienced it and God hadn't showed it to them. But what they've got right here is life. This is God and I'm staying right here and I'm not going to believe what you're telling me over here. You know, I was that way for a while with, um, and I've shared this with you guys before probably, but with prophecy. And um, there was a time about, I'm going to say about five years ago, five, six years ago, I was reading in Thessalonians where it says, do not despise prophecies. I was just minding my own business. Me and Jesus having, you know, our Bible time. At least I thought it was really just me, but Jesus really was there. And he said, hey, he said, you do that. And I said, Lord, I don't want to do that. And he said, then you need to repent. So I did. I repented. And right after that, we started having prophetic people show up. We started having prophecy come forth. We started having dreams. We started having visions. It released something because I was willing to let go of what I didn't understand to embrace what God had for me. We have to be willing to take on the new wineskin. Look at here in Luke chapter 5 in verse 37. And this is a big part of the freshness of the newness that God has for you. It's laying down the old and taking up the new. Now, it doesn't mean that the old is bad, but it means that it was either something for a season past or it was a building block for where you're at now. There's things that I know that I know uh, right now that I learned 20 years ago that are still part of my life today. They're old, but they're still, they're still relevant. They're still true today. But you know, then there's other things that God had me doing or had me involved in for a season, but he says, that season's past. Now I've got something new for you. Amen. So it can look either one of those ways, but we have to be willing to have the new. And here it says in Luke 5, 37 through 38, it says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. When it says no one, it means nobody that knows better. I mean, you could just kind of put that in there, right? Nobody that knows better. If you didn't know better, and until I learned just a little bit about wine and wineskins, I would have been a knucklehead and done that if I'd had some wine and wineskins. I don't even really know what a wineskin is exactly, except it's some kind of skin that holds wine. And it's, <laughs> no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Think about God, because God knows everything, right? He would never put um, new wine into old wineskins. Why? Because the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled and I used to think it was just, just the sake of the wine that would be ruined, but it's not only the wine that would be, be ruined, it's the wine skin. Because the next part says, and the wine skins will be ruined. So the, so the wine will burst the wine skins and be spilled, and the wine skins will be ruined, but new wine must be put into the new wine skins, and both are preserved. Here's the deal. What the Lord is pouring out is the new wine. What he's pouring it into is to you and to me, we are the wineskins. 
And the Lord cares enough about our capacity to receive that he's willing to withhold something. And and you got to be careful here because if you need something from the Lord, God's not going, no, you don't know enough. Please, you have to rightly divide this. Things that God has redeemed us from, he'll never withhold from us. He'll never withhold healing from you. He'll never withhold financial increase from you. There are things that God has paid the price for on the cross. He'll never withhold forgiveness from you, right? There's things he's redeemed us from. And we have to always remember that. But there's things that God's causing us to step into that if we are not ready because we are limited in our thinking and our capacity and we're, and we're uh, sometimes even resistant, God, if God were to give us that thing, it would crush us if we're not ready to be able to handle it. And then not only did it ruin us, it ruined what it was that he was giving us. And sometimes, and it's interesting with that because sometimes you see, and people have, people have authority in the earth. You'll see people that they'll handle great moves of God. There was a guy, I wouldn't mention his name, in Florida about, mm, I'm going to say, uh, well, no, it was longer than that. Golly jeepers, it would have been about 15, 16 years ago. This guy in Florida was having this incredible, I mean, just incredible things were happening. And um, he was seeing... Uh, all kinds of people healed and delivered. I mean, just incredible, supernatural, miraculous things. But he got off a little bit in some weird stuff. And he even had people, Rodney Howard Brown was one of them that came to him. And he said, you're off. You need to, re- you need to repent of what you're saying and thinking there was some off stuff. And the guy didn't. But yet the, he, ha- he was holding something that was from God. It was from heaven. And it, got, and it got twisted because he really wasn't able to handle that thing. Sometimes people do end up with wine that they're not ready to handle, and I don't understand that. But generally speaking, what the Lord is saying is you need to enlarge your heart, you need to enlarge your capacity to be able to handle what it is that I want to give you. And it's possible, here's the thing, is if we find ourselves still drinking the old wine, but want the new, it probably reflects our capacity more than our desire. Because sometimes people say, like I've been around, you know, I've, I've talked to different revivalists and different people, and it's like, man, how did, how did that happen? Bro, you just got to desire it. You just got to desire it. Or people that were maybe, and they ran a meeting where some great revival thing was happening. It's like, you just got to desire it. You just got to pray. You just got to ask God. And it's like, well, that's one part of it. But the other part of it is being at a place to where you're able to handle what it is that God wants to give you. It's really, really important. So if you're praying and you're like, your heart is there, and you're like, God, I, I need more. I need a touch here. I need to receive. I need wisdom. I need understanding. It's possible that we are so limited in what we're doing that we're asking the wrong question. Instead of saying, God, give it to me, we need to say, God, show me what I need to do to be able to receive it. Because he is a good God. He's full of love. And he doesn't ever want to withhold any good thing from us. He actually doesn't withhold. But sometimes it's like, I think the Lord's like, I don't really know. Not that the Lord doesn't know, but I'm putting this in Kent terms. He's like, I don't really know what to do with it because you have no room for it. Kent, I want to teach you about prophecy and the prophetic and the fivefold ministry, but you have no room for it. You've despised prophecies. And I was like, well, Jesus, I don't want to do that. I repented of that and I said, Lord, whatever you want to do. And the next thing you know, dreams, visions. Up to that point in my life, I'd received very few prophecies. From that point, we, we personally from some like unbelievable people. I'm like, Jesus, they just prophesied over me. We have had hundreds of prophecies. We have like logs of things that like lots of people have prophesied over us. Why? Because I opened myself up to it and I expanded my capacity and therefore God was able to do something. Do you know that you can limit God? It says in Psalm 78 verse 51, it says that they, speaking of the children of Israel, limited him, the Holy One of Israel, speaking of God. How did they limit God? Because they didn't, they didn't 
do what they were supposed to do. They didn't position themselves the way that they were supposed to be positioned. And it actually stopped the power of God from flowing in their life. People say, God can do anything. Well, yeah, but are you allowing him to? Are you at a place to where he's able to do that in your life? Because definitely he wants to. Hallelujah. So um, you got anything else? Okay, so no. All right. So um, here's, here's what, if you have final thoughts, you can give them. Uh, I, I was just going to say, well, you didn't read that last verse there. That was so good about just. In Isaiah 54. Yeah. Can you pull that, that up there? Isaiah chapter 54 verse. Enlar- enlarging. Four, four, whatever and I it is. will say that this is an incredibly scary prayer if you don't know exactly It is what, a scary prayer. Because let me let me just tell you about it. I don't know if we're going to pull it. I it just it says enlarge your your tent pegs, make room. Basically, expand yourself so that you can hold more, receive more. Well, if you're saying that you're okay to be stretched and you're actually praying that you're giving an invitation for God to come and do that, He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And sometimes, you know, us women who have had children know that when you're having, like, growing a child on the inside of you, you're stretching, Mm -hmm. you're growing your capacity. I'm saying, "Mm -hmm," like I know. Yeah. Yeah. You're growing your (laughs) your capacity. It is a little bit painful. It can be painful. But if you will endure the stretch God will show you and reveal to you and give to you incredible things. Yeah. And I remember one, I don't, one of the prayer, I prayed that. And then I was like, hold up. I, I literally was like, God, I, I'm done. I can, I've stretched right now as much as I can stretch. So I need you to hold up and let me catch my breath <laughs> before I pray that again. And one thing I remember well, the Lord showed me in Isaiah 55, you know, and we've heard this in a negative sense. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. But that is a positive sense. He, his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways aren't our ways. But he said that we can have the mind of Christ. So that means then we can have his thoughts yeah. and we can have his ways. But that are, those are brand new thoughts. Those are brand new pathways. Those are brand new capacities. We can't think uh, you know, new things until we think the new things. And right. so we should ask for the new things. But I, I began asking the Lord at one point, I want all knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. I have written this out so many times. There's a point I wrote every day. I want all wisdom. I want all understanding. I want all knowledge. I want like, I want it. I want it. If you pray that, God will show you. And then so incredibly, he showed me that it's not just knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And Isaiah 11, 2, it says, knowledge, wisdom, understanding, might, counsel, the fear of God, all wrapped up in like the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so it's, it's, we can have all the things. If we ask for all the things, yeah. he, he doesn't want to withhold and he will so we don't get crushed. But the more we open ourselves up, the more we will expand because that verse says, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare. Don't spare anything. Lengthen it all out because he hasn't spared anything for us. 
And I think sometimes like we, we want to spare what we think is good. Yeah. Like I'm going to hold on to this. I'm, t- I'm not supposed to say this word, but sometimes human beings are so stupid. <laughs> like when it comes to the Lord, we want to, I'm just, I'm speaking for me. All right. Maybe you're smarter than me, but, um, for sure. you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we, uh, we want to hang on to things that aren't helping us. Yeah. And it's like, that's a spirit of pride that we have to break off of us and be like, God, you know at least a little bit more than me, right? I mean, come on, God knows infinitely more than we do. And so we should always be at this place of saying, teach me, correct me. Uh, You know, there's a verse in Habakkuk, it says that I will set myself upon the rampart. And then it says that I will, and then see what I will say. When I'm corrected. What I will say, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I will set myself up on, up on the rampart, which is like a place of, of watching, being able to see, and I will see what I will say when I am corrected. <laughs> Not if, but when. when. And so you put, you put yourself at this place to go, Lord, what do you want to show me? What do you want to tell me? What do you want to show me? What do you want me to know? And then when the Lord says, and it's not always correction, but he's like, I want to show you this. I do want to correct you here. I want to straighten some things out here. You say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Not a problem. Not a problem. Not a problem. Because I'm bought with the price. I have no feelings or emotion in this thing. It's fine. You can stomp all over my wrong knowledge, God. It's no problem. I just want to know the right stuff. I want to know the good stuff. And when you do that, the next thing you know, he breathes life in you and shows you things that you never even fathomed before because you didn't have the capacity to fathom. But when you said, God, show me something new, you just, and you meant it, you enlarged your capacity. He says, great, I've got room to show you something new now. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.